Receive now this Gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, called in Hebrew, Bethsaida, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. May God continue to bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you this day and every day. Amen. Thirty-eight years. Thirty-eight years. Can you even begin to imagine what this man was going through? In spite of his sickness, whatever his malady was, he painstakingly got himself to the edge of the healing waters every day for 38 years, and yet he still suffered. And what, and what must have added to his added insult to injury was the fact that no one, no one in all those years had helped him into the water. In fact, others stepped over him and ahead of him to get to the water first, every man for himself, apparently. Can you imagine? 38 years is a long time to be stuck in the same position. What do you think kept him coming back? Why didn't he give up hope? Do you think he was angry with the people that knocked him out of the way? Was he so alone in the world that there wasn't a family member that could have helped him into the water? Or a friend that could have stood up for him and kept the others from blocking his way? Was anyone even praying for him? Jesus sees him and recognizes that he has been there for a very long time. And he speaks to him and says, Do you want to be made well? The man responds, There is no one to help me into the pool. But Jesus' response is straightforward. Stand up, take your mat, and walk. And at once the man was made well. Now this might simply be a story of one of Jesus's miraculous healings. The Gospel writers may have included it to help convince us of Jesus's divinity, but I think there's more to this story than that. Jesus doesn't ask if he is a believer. He doesn't comment on the man's depths or even lack of faith. He asks him a question. Do you want to be made well? Well, the invitation to the sick man to desire healing and restoration is a timeless invitation to us as well. It's a reminder to each of us that God's hope for us is to be made whole, to thrive, to live a joy-filled and abundant life. Maybe the healing begins when we say yes 
dear God, we want to be made whole. But I think there's even another message in this story as well. The theologians who compiled the lectionary chose this particular reading during this season, which is Eastertide, the season in which we explore Jesus' teachings for how we are called to be his disciples. This story highlights our role as Christ's disciples and asks questions of us as well. Who in our life needs help being immersed in the pool of healing water? Who might need us to come and sit with them while they are languishing? Who needs us to stand up for them when they're being stepped over or stepped on or unjustly being overlooked? An African-American friend of mine wrote this week in light of the murders of 10 black people in Buffalo. Her note to me said this, it is all so painful right now. We are so broken. The cruelty and inhumanity seems bottomless. And in her note that she sent, she included an article that opens with this statement. I am a middle-aged African-American father reeling from the sheer horror of what happened to members of my community in Buffalo. Through my pain, I am praying for all of the victims and their traumatized families, friends, and neighbors, and for all the minority Americans who are feeling even more afraid now than they did before. And the author goes on to say this, and if you, like the alleged shooter, are a white teenaged male, I want you to know that I am also praying for you. And here are his three reasons for praying for a white teenage male in America. First, he points out that there is a certain amount of luck that comes with being born white and male. And as such, they may not seem, they may seem by other white male Americans as being part of an exclusive club. And those folks may try and tell these young men that their privileges are under threat from anyone who doesn't look like them, pray like them, love like them, or even vote like them. And they may try and recruit them to help them spread their hateful way of thinking. And he also poses the question, rather than spreading hate, what are you going to do with all that luck? Secondly, he makes the case that anyone who tells them that their future prosperity and happiness depends on preserving white supremacy is not only lying to them, but they are being used. Finally, he states, luck, like love, is unlimited. The more you share it, the more there is to go around. You will not lose your place in the world if other people are no longer marginalized. If the barriers that currently stand in their way are demolished, the whole nation will be richer for it, literally and morally. And he ends with this. Like countless young Americans, you may already be a cheerleader for equality and inclusion, for which I congratulate you. You give me hope. If you are not a cheerleader, though, I can promise you that you have nothing to fear from progress. Turn on your TV and you'll see women, LGBTQ people, and those who are black and brown marching peacefully to protect their rights because they know they deserve just as much as you do. Look for the humanity in each of them. It mirrors our own.
Go out and talk to minoritized Americans about their ambitions. You'll discover that not a single one of them wants to replace you. March with them, and they'll embrace you as an ally. Then you will be truly lucky. And one day, with your help, we all will. His prayer is like the man languishing at the edge of the healing water. Who will march with him? Who will stand up to those stepping on him and around him? Who will take the time and share their God-given love to contribute to the healing? Well, the gunman in Buffalo wrote shortly before his rampage that he sought to kill black people because he wanted to prevent white people from losing their rightful control of the country. He said he was inspired by similar attacks on other minority communities, and he hoped others would follow his example. No one who read these posts tried to discourage his deadly action. No one reading his posts reported his threats. No one came alongside to ask him, do you want to be healed? You have to wonder if anyone was even praying for his heart to be changed. Well, the Thursday morning and Thursday evening women's book groups have been exploring prayer this spring, and I hope to say more about that in a future sermon. But in the context of the scripture reading today, I want to share with you one of my favorite reflections on prayers that we heard from preacher Rob Bell. He believes that the creation story is God's invitation to each of us to take part in the ongoing design of the world, that we are part of this divine creative energy that can help create order and goodness out of chaos. Jesus' prayers assume that he has a role to play in the ongoing work of God in the world, and as his disciples, we do as well. He states, don't ask God to answer a prayer if you are the answer to the prayer. Don't ask God to feed someone if you have plenty of food. Prayer should be how we live our lives. Prayer is our entire posture toward life. It's way more than words. It's the whole way we see everything going on around us. So yes, prayer is about being still, it's meditating, it's reflecting, it's listening. But then it's waking up and asking God, what are you up to today? And how can I be a part of it? It's making our whole life a prayer and being open to our role in the ongoing creation of the world. It's noticing the one who has been suffering in one position for 38 years or for centuries. It's reaching out to the person who has no one else willing to gently place them in healing waters. It's working to find ways to end the marginalization of those who are being overlooked or pushed aside. It's having the courage to look someone in the eye and say, do you want to be healed? It's not about asking God to answer prayers if we, in fact, if we are the answer. May we be so faithful. May we be the answer. Amen.